Welcome to the Coaching Edge podcast. I'm your host, Wendy McCallum, a seasoned and successful life coach. Every other Monday, I share my hard-earned wisdom from well over a decade of coaching, so you can avoid the mistakes I've made. I provide practical and inspiring bite-sized strategies, coach stories, and thought-provoking conversations with industry experts about the business of coaching. If you're craving the freedom and joy that comes from building a profitable and fulfilling coaching practice, you're in the right place. Now let's get down to business. Hello, welcome back to The Coaching Edge. I'm your host, Wendy McCallum, and this is part two of Don't Make These Mistakes. Basically, I'm trying to summarize, which is so challenging in just a couple of short episodes, some of the biggest mistakes that I made as a coach in my early years of coaching in the hopes that I can head those off at the past for you so that you don't actually make those mistakes. Or if you're sort of halfway down that path, that you pull yourself off it sooner. <laughs> so last time on the first part of this episode, which I really recommend you listen to if you haven't yet, I shared three main mistakes that I made. We talked about the importance of niching down and how I didn't do that early on in my business and how doing that actually led to a real transformation in terms of the success of my business, both in terms of the my ability to reach more people and to coach in an area that felt more resonant for me, but also to make far more money. We also talked about how I spent too much money and time worrying about the prettiness of my brand and creating fancy logos and taglines and all of that in the beginning and coming up with a really what I thought was creative, catchy name for my business, only to realize that simple is so much better when it comes to the name of your business and that the branding actually doesn't matter that much. So I I worked to unwind that over the years. And that actually ended up costing me a lot of money. And there was some really great, I think, information and advice around that in episode one. Also, we talked about this trap of casting as wide a net as possible to try to catch as many fish as you can when it comes to the products and offers that you create and how that actually does not work when it comes to coaching and building a business and how much more profitable it is to create a focused offer. And we talked about where you should start as a new coach and then when you should start thinking about creating new offers. So those are the first three things. And now I want to share some of the other mistakes or lessons, big lessons that I've learned. And I want to just remind you as a listener that many of these topics will be covered in greater detail in future episodes. So we'll probably be taking things like, we will be taking things like pricing. We'll be taking things like, your financial goals, setting setting financial goals as a business person, and how to create efficient systems for your coaching practice, and how to get on podcasts, and how to deal with perfectionism as a business person. We'll be taking all of those and doing really targeted episodes on those, but I'm going to run through some of these now and just give you like a little taste of my mistakes, <laughs> my failings, basically, but also of what's to come on the Coaching Edge podcast. So The first thing is social media won't save you. And this is really important to understand, especially now. I see new coaches coming into my BBB coaching program from fresh out of certification or just, you know, a a year or two into trying to build a coaching practice. And they have this belief that social media is where everything happens now. And that's where they're going to make all of their money and where they should be focusing all of their efforts. Now, listen, I believe in the power of social media. And I think there are strategic ways to use social media that can be incredibly beneficial as a business person. And and we'll talk a lot about that. We'll talk about that on this podcast. And we talk a lot about that in the BBB. But 
it is a mistake to think that that is how you're going to build your business right out of the gate. It's not. It takes time to make money through social media. And this idea that you can create this, you know, amazing funnel in like your first month and throw a bunch of money at Facebook and Instagram ads and then end up with a huge number of people in a group program. I mean, that is just not realistic for the average new solopreneur coach. So that is something that I want to let you know about right now, because I think a lot of you guys are probably being told that in certifications or in trainings, or you're just getting that messaging because you're being bombarded with all of these ads on Instagram from people who are telling you that there's an easy way to make a million dollars in your first year coaching. There isn't. This is hard work. You can do it though. But the way that you do it needs to be strategic. It needs to be realistic. It needs to be practical. And social media as your primary tool of marketing in your first few months or even years of coaching is probably a bad idea. You want to be diversifying. And so again, I have lots of ideas around what I call old school marketing, ways to get clients. So you're actually making money right away as a coach. And we're going to be talking about those things in future episodes, but know that the thing you need to do is build that like, no trust factor. And that's what social media is going to help you do in the early days. So get on there, create good content, start talking about what it is you do, start providing people with really good, helpful information and content. Don't just post quotes from other people. You want to be giving people really helpful content and bite-sized portions that are manageable for them. So for example, if you follow me on at Wendy McCallum coach on Instagram, you'll see that I do reels all the time, little videos where I give little tips. Oftentimes they're questions that came up in the BBB office hours that I think other people might benefit from hearing the answer to. And I'll just summarize that. And they're just usually a couple of minutes long, but it's valuable bite-sized content for coaches. So that's what you want to be doing on your social media pages so that you can build that like, no trust. People don't come join my one-year coaching school for business for, on the business side of things. They don't do that without knowing something about me. I spend a lot of time out there giving away free content that's really valuable so that people will start to like me and know me and feel like they can trust me. This podcast, great example of that, right? So that's what social media is for, especially in the beginning. You will get some clients through social media. You might even get a client through social media in the first few weeks, but it's not the the thing you want to rely on in the early months. You want to be building other, other connections and referral sources. And again, something that we'll talk about for sure more in a future episode, but for now, get out into your community, work your existing contacts and ask practitioners who have a similar target market or patient base to yours to go out for coffee and, and then offer to speak to community groups, offer to speak to your book club, offer to speak to school groups or at friends' workplaces, create some valuable content like a presentation or an online video series or a workbook that you can offer people. And that's how you're going to create that like, no trust quicker and actually get some paying clients right out of the gate. So that's the first thing. Social media won't save you. Don't rely on that. What goes around comes around. Second thing I wanted to share with you. Most marketing is long game. And this is not something I realized in the beginning, but I've seen this play out so many times now in the 13 years or so that I've been doing this, that I feel so confident that this is true. I have people who come to me now and say, oh, hey, I was at, do you remember you did that presentation in like, you know, <laughs> I don't know, 2010 or 2012 on such and such at this company, Lunch and Learn? I was there. 
And I've been following you ever since. And I'm really struggling now with alcohol and I would really love your help. So that's the long game, people. I mean, that's like 10 years ago that this person heard me talking somewhere. Put it out there, eventually it comes around, but it doesn't come around right away all the time. And that is totally okay. Just keep doing it. The the people that you get in front of this month are probably not going to book calls this month. But if you keep sending them valuable content in a newsletter, if you keep putting out valuable content on your social media pages or on your website blog or however you're doing that, you keep sharing that with them, you're going to build that like no trust and they're going to remember you. And eventually when they need help with the problem that you help people solve or their sister needs help with that problem or their friend needs help with that problem, you're going to be the one that they call to help you with that. Do not underestimate the value of getting on someone else's podcast. (laughs) This is something that I talk about a lot in the BBB. I actually provide like podcast pitch outline for people. I give them some information about how I book guests as a podcast host and what I'm looking for in a podcast pitch. It's just, it's such a great way to get your name out there. And I have been on lots of different podcasts. And every time I'm on someone else's podcast, I get loads of inquiries from that. I get applications for private coaching. I get emails from people asking if I want to be on their podcast or if I can help with this particular problem, or can I speak to their group on this topic? So getting yourself on other people's podcasts is a really great way to build your own brand and reputation and to book clients. So what's your story? What do you have that somebody else doesn't have? And what can you pitch to a podcast host? And again, there are ways to do this well. There are ways to do this really badly. And we'll talk about that in another episode. But start thinking about this. You know, if you're not doing that, why aren't you doing that? What are you afraid of? And what's a small step that you could take now to get yourself closer to that? It might be finding a small podcast. Maybe you know somebody who hosts a podcast, and that would be a more comfortable way for you to kind of wet your feet here. But my coaches in the BBB, I'm constantly, constantly encouraging them to find the right podcast and to pitch the right pitch to those podcast hosts so they can get themselves out there. Live streams, also great. So doing live streams on somebody else's Instagram page, for example, is a really great way. So you can pitch a topic. Hey, can I come on and do this live with you? I'll talk to your audience about X. And that is a really good way to also get some more follows and to start building that like no trust and just increase your audience. So that's one thing. The other thing that I told you, promised you I would talk about today is pricing. So let's see if we can get a concise bit of (laughs) guidance out there on the importance of not underpricing yourself as a coach. This is the one thing that I like to remind people. Your hourly rate is not just the value of an hour of your time. It also reflects all of the time and money that you invested to get certified and to gather the experience, whether that's past professional experience or education, to get to where you are now. So when you're setting that rate, you often you find yourself thinking, and I've made this mistake. I did this in the early days. I priced myself way too low because I thought, oh, I'm brand new at this. You know, I can't charge too much. But what I was forgetting is that I had all of this lived experience and also this previous education and experience that actually was contributing to me being a really great coach. So the 13 years that I had spent in that crazy career as a lawyer and in burning out myself and everything I learned from that 
And everything I knew about business and the real world and what it was like to be professional and all of that, that was all part of what I showed up with as a coach. And then of course, all the money I'd spent getting the certification, the first one, the natural nutrition certification was not inexpensive. And it was a year long investment of my time. All of that contributes to the value of that hour that people spend with me. And it's important to remember that it's not just like the value of that hour. It's the value of all the hours that went into that hour. And also when it comes to programming, and again, we'll probably do an episode on this. This is not something I can cover in a few minutes, but when it comes to setting the pricing for your programming, the price for your program, let's say it's a 12 session one-on-one coaching program is not just reflective of 12 hours of coaching usually. So if you're building a program the way I encourage you to build a program, there's more included in it than that. And that's really strategic because it's impossible for someone to take the the, the price of my 12 session program and break it down into 12 hours and get an hourly rate because I also include in that program other things like reasonable access to me within business hours on WhatsApp for my one-on-one clients. And I don't have very many of those at a time. So that's manageable for me. Also, they get access to the self-guided program that I have already created that's on my website that people can join outside of private coaching. I just give that to my private clients as well. And there's great value in that program. And they get access to a library, a content library that I've created for them and so on and so on. It makes it impossible for them to take the total amount divided by 12 and come up with an hourly rate. It's just not my hourly rate. Program value is the value of the program in total, everything that you get in that program. And then also, and this is probably the most important thing, the program pricing is a reflection of the value of the transformation that you are going to help your client make, not your hourly rate. So case in point, I used to say when I was still drinking and I was struggling to change my relationship with alcohol and get free from it, I used to say to myself all the time, and I don't know where this number came from, but I think it's interesting. I used to say I would pay $10,000 for someone to help me change this. I don't know how to change this. I was so, so overwhelmed and stressed and anxious about this problem that I had, and I couldn't figure out how to change it myself. And I kept saying that number, that random number, I would pay $10,000 and I would have paid $10,000. That was the value of that transformation for me. Honestly, I probably would have paid more, but that was the value. And if I had had somebody like me at the time, somebody private where I felt I felt like confidentiality was, was you know, at the forefront, somebody who'd been where I'd been, somebody who was compassionate and who was supportive and who was there for me, whether things were going well or things were going badly and who could keep me accountable and get me through this, I would have paid so much for that. That is the value of what you are offering. It's not your hourly rate. So all of those things and so much more go into pricing. And we will talk more about pricing in future episodes. I promise you. All right. This one's really important. Perfect is the enemy of good. When you are a small business person, this is even more important to remember. We get stuck in trying to make things perfect. And what ends up happening is we don't create anything that's any good as a result of that. We get nothing out there. We get paralyzed by this idea that it has to be perfect. I actually think that whole idea is ass backwards when it comes to being a business person. And that the better way to approach it is to start with an idea that's good, an idea that you know is good, to build some of the basic programming around that, but not nearly all of it. And to launch that, and you're going to create that in response to the demand of the audience that you work with. So hopefully you're going to be gathering information through your social media channels, through conversations that you have with clients, through your private coaching, you're going to be learning. This is the thing people need help with. 
so that when you launch this thing that is not completely fully formed at all, but it feels like a pretty good idea. It feels like it's based on some real need that's out there. And then you run that through a beta program. And in the course of the beta, that's when you fine tune it and tweak it and you add content. And that's when it starts to become kind of close to perfect. It's never going to be perfect, but you can continually tweak things in response to the needs and demands of your audience to create a really, really resonant, really, really valuable, really, really popular program. Case in point, BBB. The business building bootcamp that I run started as a beta. It was a six-month beta. I had one-third of the content done. There is a huge content library that goes with it, but I only had one-third done on purpose. First of all, I knew there was already tons of value there for the beta pricing, but also that enabled me to get feedback from the office hour sessions that we run where people are asking me questions. I could figure out what are the other problems that people are struggling with that they want help with and how can I address some of those at least in pre-recorded video content and in PDFs and in cheat sheets and in, you know, templates for them to make all of this easier. And over the course of that six month beta, I created this really amazing content library. Now it's still growing because I'm still being responsive. And that's how I work as a business person and coach. And, and I, I have for a really long time. So it's not that I don't continue to create new content. I absolutely do, but I listen to what they want. So that allows me to have a great deal of confidence that the program that they're in is really valuable to them and that they're not only are they going to stay, but that they're going to recommend it to other coaches. So perfect is the enemy of good. Put offers out there before you're ready. Sell things before they're fully formed. Not only will that make your first, making your first sale light a fire under your butt, because there's nothing like putting it out there to get a program done, let me tell you. And also you need to make sales, you need to make money. And you know that's gonna allow you to keep doing what you love. Okay, set financial goals for your first year and don't play it too safe. So this is something that I made lots of mistakes around. When I first started, I had no sense of goals. I didn't know what my expenses were gonna be, not a clue, because I'd never done this before and also didn't know even what I wanted to make. I happened to be in a position in my very first year of this where didn't need to make a lot of money from it because we had saved a lot of money before I left law. So I had this little cushion and, you know, I thought that that was serving me, but I'm not sure that it did. There was not a lot of motivation for me to, to get out there and sell and, 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 and build this business. So I, I didn't have any of this information. And I know that it feels scary, but if you don't commit to a specific revenue goal in your first year, you are going to struggle. It does not need to be six figures. That is so unrealistic in your first year for most coaches, but it does need to feel like a challenge. And I played it way too small in my first few years. And that really affected my bottom line. And I also didn't have a really good understanding of my expenses. I now do. And I, I really encourage you, if you're not keeping a, a really clear, understandable spreadsheet somewhere, something simple that allows you to know this is how much I spend on this a year, this a year, this a year, or monthly, start doing that now. Again, that's something we do in the BBB. And it's I think it's really important for you to understand what your monthly, your annual expenses are and your monthly expenses are, including what your tax bill is going to be. You need to have a sense of how the taxes are going to work for you in order to figure out what your gross goal is for the year. The year that I finally said to myself, screw this, I can make that amount of money if this person can make that amount of money. And I actually set a specific goal for myself. I knocked it out of the park. 
I knew what I needed to make every single month gross in order to hit that gross target, in order to hit that net target based on the expenses that I knew I had, the fixed expenses I was well aware of, and the buffer for variable expenses. And guess what? I blew it out of the water. I did really, really well that year. That was many years ago now. And I have been consistently doing that every year. I change my target. I challenge myself and I've consistently exceeded those targets. Now, I don't want to sound as though money is the be all and end all in this. It's not. And some of you will be coaching without the need to make significant amount of revenue from your business. And that's fine. But you do need to know what that amount is because you have to make some money in order for this to feel good. Take it from someone who knows. Even if you don't need to make a ton of money on this, you need to make some money because it starts to feel like you're working really hard and putting so much time in and you're not seeing very much back from that. And also your clients need to have skin in the game. They need to be paying enough money that they're actually invested in this process and they show up for coaching sessions and they do the work between coaching sessions and they don't fail when the going gets tough. So setting financial goals is really, really important. In order to do that, you need to understand your overhead. So that's my other my other thing. And, and I know that that can feel really overwhelming, but you do need to know how much it's going to cost you to get there. Because you hear all these coaches out there, especially on social media now, it drives me crazy. But, oh, I made a million dollars last year. You know, I'm over six figures. And they're not actually over six figures when they deduct the amount of money that it took for them to make six figures gross, for example, or a million gross. It actually costs them, you know, $500,000 to make a million gross. And that's not being incorporated in there. You need to know what your expenses are. If you want to walk away at the end of the year with X amount of money in your in your pocket every month, that you can spend on groceries to pay your bills, to do the things that you want to do in your life. You need to know how much you need to make gross in a year, what your annual expenses are going to be. And then you need to break that down on a monthly basis and know what your gross monthly is and your net monthly will be from that. Okay. Create systems. Oh, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about systems. And I'm excited to talk about that because I love a good system in a coaching business. So these, I mean, you can have systems for everything. You have systems for onboarding clients, systems for offboarding clients, systems for responding to certain inquiries, systems for marketing, systems for social media. Oh my gosh, systems for gathering feedback. There are so many different systems that you're going to want to put in place in your coaching practice. And I'm not saying this to overwhelm you. I'm saying this to say, start here. Here's what I recommend. (laughs) Save all your emails from now on out. So if somebody writes you with a question and it's a question that you probably have already gotten before and you know you're going to get again, type out the answer, save it as a Word document and file it in a file that is called email templates and actually maybe a subfile that is um, the subject of whatever the, the email is. Start saving all of your work now. If there's a way that you do a series of emails that you end up sending to every new client that you bring on, save those, put them all in one document, email one, email two, email three, email four, so that you can just go in and cut and paste that stuff. And then, you know, that'll set the basis for that. I mean, that is, this is the reason why I included like all of my best email and contractual and practice admin client resources as templates in the BBB. It's so that the coaches in the BBB can like just cut out the, cut out the work, create systems right away and stop, you know, reinventing the wheel every time they do something. I've done that work already for them. And you can start doing that work for yourself. If you haven't started saving stuff and creating systems, it'll just, it'll change your life. Trust me. You might feel like if you're just starting out, Oh, it's no big deal. I have time for all this, but as you get busier, you want you to take less time doing admin, not to take more time to do admin on each client file. You just won't have the time. 
Okay. Last one. This one probably won't surprise you. And you're listening to this podcast. So you're already off to a good start, but ask for help. Look for, look for experts who have already been where you are now. I spent months going around in circles. I floundered. I changed my branding. I changed the name of my business. I talked about that in the first episode and there were people out there who could have helped me. I just didn't know how to find them. Now here's the good news. It's 13 years later. It's a lot easier to find people. You have found me, which is great. Now, there's so many other people out there who can help with this stuff. There are lots of free resources out there, but who you really want to be talking to is the small business coach. And you want to be talking to a small business coach for coaches. So somebody who works in the coaching industry with, with small uh, business I think this could be the difference between success and failure, honestly. Now, you want to be careful about where you spend your money, for sure. And I'm not a big fan of doing like, I, I don't think doing the, you know, weekend retreat intensives that cost like $5,000 is a smart move in your first year. I think there are ways to do this in a more affordable way where you'll get more value for your money, but you want to look around and figure out what the right fit is for you there. But I wish I had spent money earlier on coaching. I really do. I wish I had looked harder into this. And I, I honestly, I'm not even sure what was available. I feel like Marie Forleo's B-School was the one thing that was available. And I just resisted, resisted, resisted that for a long time. Probably if I'd done that in the early days, that would have helped me. I don't know how much it, how much it would help me now, but in the early days, it, it might've helped me. And Anyway, I mean, that's really the reason why I created the BBB. It's in response to this, you know, what would I, what would have been most helpful to me in the early years of being a coach? It's all of the stuff that I've tried to include in the BBB program and definitely the opportunity to talk to an experienced coach and also be with other coaches who are at different stages of their business, who could provide really valuable support, brainstorming and mentorship. So if you're doing this on your own, all on your own. You don't need to be doing it all on your own. Start looking and researching for programs or support. You might be in a place where there is a chamber of commerce that has a small business, a small business group, and they may have, for example, some funding that, that you can apply for. You might, you might look for something online. You might be, you might be able to find a local networking group that you can meet with and get more information from. But don't wait on this. It is not a weakness to ask for help. It's actually a strength in the early days. And I think people who succeed quickly in small business are the ones who access the help and actually make smart decisions about where they spend money. So their expenses in their first year, they make smart decisions on that. I always say, look at the thing and how much it costs and then ask yourself what you would need to get from that investment to make it worthwhile? Is it one, you just need to book one more private client in order to pay for that program or two more private clients in order to pay for it? And what is the likelihood that the learning that you're going to get in that program is going to make that happen? Is going to help facilitate that for you? And if the answer is yes, it's almost certainly going to help me get at least two more clients this year, it's probably worth it if it's a good program, right? So those are my, my last little things that I want to talk about, mistakes that I made. And there are so many more, like I said, but as I have said in episode one, committed to keeping these under 30 minutes. And this is my second time doing that. So I'm going to sign off and I'm going to say, thanks for listening to Coaching Edge. Please leave a review if you found this episode helpful and please get in touch with me if there are topics that you would love to have me co cover on, on the future episodes of the Coaching Edge. Thanks everyone. Have a fantastic week. 
Hey coach, are you going around in circles when it comes to your prices? If you're ready to price your one-on-one offers right so that you can stay profitable and avoid burnout, you're not going to want to miss my free pricing masterclass for coaches. In this practical, valuable training, you'll discover the most important business advice no one told me, what other coaches are actually charging, three pricing model options and the pros and cons of each, the two key pricing considerations that nobody's talking about, and how to determine the true value of your coaching. Spoiler alert, it's got nothing to do with your hourly rate. Access my popular masterclass anytime at wendymccallum.com forward slash pricing. That's W-E-N-D-Y-M-C-C-A-L-L-U-M dot com forward slash pricing.